This podcast is part of the Podcast Arcade Network. Welcome to episode 12 of Paranormal Dads. This is your co-host, Andy. I'm Eddie. I'm Pat. Join us as we go in search of the world's monsters, myths, and mysteries right here on Paranormal Dads. First episode. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So we got a baker's or baker's dozen. Is that thirteen or twelve? Thirteen is a baker's dozen. So next episode will be our baker's dozen. This is a regular dozen. If if you're a number person, isn't thirteen considered kind of like boogity boogity? (laughs) (laughs) A boogity boogity. Superstition. Well, anyway, we're back with another episode, and uh, we're as excited as ever. And as always, we kind of uh, start each episode with uh, recent sightings as a way to catch people up to speed about recent sightings of monsters, myths, mysteries, uh, current events, odd anomalies throughout the country. Yeah. And uh, we tend to rotate the segments, and up for this this week's uh, recent sightings is Pat. What'd you round up for us, Pat? This is something that actually broke last month that uh, we've been kind of um, laying low for a little while, but uh, this is a story about UFOs and government, secret government programs and Things of that nature. So uh, that's what we're going to get into in recent sightings. Ooh, here we go. So last month, the New York Times and Politico ran stories about a super secret UFO program funded on black money to the tune of $22 million uh, and being run from deep within the Pentagon. And including in the program studies are videos of encounters between UFOs an American military aircraft, one of which occurred in 2004 when two F-18 fighter jets from the Nimitz aircraft carrier encountered a white oval object about the size of a commercial airplane off the coast of San Diego. And these guys couldn't even keep up with this thing. They said it kind of looked like a giant Tic Tac. A giant Tic Tac. Was that the official description from the experts? It, it, it was. From, from the pilots actually used that description. I could see the response. It's like, dude, everything's a Tic Tac to you. Because your breast stinks. And these are F-18s? F-18s. So what's the top speed for those? Like yeah. a thousand, over a thousand miles. I mean, you're, well in the mo- you know, you're in the, what, the, the, the Mach 8s and stuff like that? I mean, like, Well, I don't know if they go that fast. Because the SR-71 is like a Mach 3, I Oh, think. there you go. I'm already making <laughs> things up. But, but these things can but, break the sound barrier. Oh, yeah. I mean, def- so easily, yeah. I'd say over a thousand miles an hour probably and they couldn't keep up with the tic-tac and they couldn't keep up with the tic-tac it's a fast tic-tac so there's actually a youtube video of these uh planes tracking it and you can kind of see it through it's i don't know if it's their gun camera or whatever it is but they have it on camera and you can see their little targeting thing trying to keep up with this thing and and the pilots are just incredulous about what they're seeing and and you could just tell they're in awe of what they're looking at so uh go out and search f-18 ufo encounter san diego you know google that 
and check out this video if you haven't seen it. It's pretty cool. Wait, what flavor Tic Tac? Was this thing orange or was it white or was it... I'm kind of partial to... It, it was a white Tic Tac. It was a white one. Yeah. I like the orange ones. Totally wintergreen. Yeah, I'm more winter of a fruity kind of Tic Tac guy myself. Yeah, those banana ones with little minions on the cover. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> those, That's what I want. Those were a big hit in the grocery stores. Um, the thing that was kind of cool about this, I remember this because this showed up on like a ton of mainstream news Yeah, this hit the news stuff big time. as well. Yeah, um, it, it's actually about, uh, it's a program called, uh, it's known as the Advanced Aviation Threat Identification Program. That's a mouthful. Um, it was started in 2007 by Senate Majority Leader of the time, uh, Democrat Harry Reid, and two other former senators. One was uh, an Alaska Republican named Ted Stevens, and Daniel, I'm going to butcher this, but Daniel Inouye, of, he was a Democrat from Hawaii. So th these are three pretty big-name senators that started this program, um, and much of the funding went to an aerospace research company called Bigelow Aerospace. It's run by a, a guy named Robert Bigelow. He's a friend of Reed's, and he's a bi billionaire um, um, entrepreneur. Yeah, you got this. <laughs> billionaire entrepreneur. That's a lot to say. It's, it doesn't roll off the tongue very so, easily. Um, but he's currently working with NASA to produce manned spacecraft systems, but he's also very interested in UFOs. He has a lesser-known brother named Deuce, who, who <laughs> Deuce is a Bigelow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, uh, but Bigelow actually has gone on 60 Minutes, gone on the record, uh, that says he is absolutely convinced that aliens exist mm -hmm. and UFOs have visited Earth. And then um, this this was on sixty minutes. Yeah, pretty legit the, program. Right, right. Yeah. So, um, but but this whole thing about you know the black money and everything, it, it kind of brings to mind uh, the quote from Independence Day, Judd Judd Hirsch. You know, yeah. uh, he says, "You don't actually think they spend twenty thousand dollars on a hammer, do you? Thirty thousand dollars on a toilet seat? No." <laughs> It's, that's pretty good, Pat. Well done. That's good impersonation. That's my Judd Hirsch. That's the. It reminds me of the line also from Contact, where they're like, you know, what, you you never build one of something when you could build two for twice the money. It's like that's yeah yeah. So yeah, once Why again, build one when two is twice twice as nice. Yeah, exactly. Like these these black projects, man, it's it's ridiculous, and it's like the government just shrugs its shoulders, you know, just gives them a shoulder shrug. Oh, you know, we don't got to tell you what we just spent three trillion dollars on. It's none of your business. You well, it, it, and once again, not that, not that. Like, what's the what's the uh, phrase? Is like causality doesn't doesn't equate to. Um, I don't remember now. My brain's dying. <laughs> but but just because oh, cor causality isn't cor correlation or something like that. But it's like just because, you know, they're funneling millions of dollars into this. Does that all of a sudden mean that aliens are real? But it's like they wouldn't be doing that if there wasn't a credible threat either. And and when you think about the budget of the Pentagon, you know, twenty two million is a drop in the bucket. Oh, that's it, a sneeze. That's yeah. that's a chump change right there, you know. Right. But but but, but still you got a point. It's like they they wouldn't be putting that much money into something if they didn't think right. it was real. All right. You couldn't or, justify or, or there was a need for it. Right. I mean, all of us in some level, of, you know, either have either have had or currently work in some sort of corporate setup. And it's like, you know, for a fact, these guys aren't spending money where they don't feel like they absolutely need to. So it's kind of funny to me that 
even still there's people who are like, yeah, it's probably just nothing. <laughs> but when this article came out, I mean, it went viral. Like it was all over the internet. All yeah, over the it was internet. on Good Morning America. It was on CNN. It was on all these major news outlets covered this story. And and of course, everybody who, who, you know, uh, like the, the anchors, they were always kind of tongue in cheek about it and kind of yeah. giggling about it. But, um, but, you know, CNN was giving, you know, interview time to yeah. people to come on and talk about it. Yeah. It wasn't just like a reader that they were doing. It's kind of frustrating, actually, when, you know, news reporters are, are kind of tongue in cheek and like they, they say what the teleprompter says, but they do it with a with a smile and an eye roll at yeah, the same time. Right. It's almost like they're trying to save face for themselves. They are. Just exactly. in case, you know, other people scoff. They, they're, you know, they kind of want to come off as, oh, this isn't really my thing, but ha ha, if you're into this kind of thing. Well, they're, I mean, they're still entertainment type people. So their thing is like, if we hang it out too high and say that we absolutely believe this, then we may have committed career suicide. So they're just like, we'll read this, but we're going to also play to the crowd that doesn't believe this at the same time. But it, it's kind of amazing some of the stuff that's coming out from government uh, people, people associated with yeah. this program, what they're saying about it. You know, they're saying things like uh, what they're studying are displaying characteristics that are not currently within the U.S. inventory, nor any foreign inventory that they are aware of. <laughs> I love the... <laughs> A.K.A. these aircraft are doing maneuvers that are not humanly possible. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and then... You know, the the one head scratcher for this is why release this information now? You know, yeah. so, some people are saying is, are they starting to soften us up a little bit for bigger for things the big to come? reveal? You know, um, of course, I, you know, I'm I'm a believer that it's really going to take somebody parking their huge spaceship yeah. right above a, a major city in the middle of the day where everybody can get a good selfie with it exactly you know, yeah. or unequivocally just yeah. believe it right because unless it's a mass sighting like that you can you can try to say even if a dozen people see something and get footage of it you can kind of uh you know discredit it or push it to the side or come up with some ridiculous explanation but if one hovers above Times square for 48 hours and everybody on earth it gets a good view of it yeah you know that's lights out that'll be definitive proof right there and it's it's interesting that you mentioned that pat like what if um you know, gently, slowly throughout the years, uh, you know, the, the government and the media exposing people to more UFO sightings. Maybe it is a way of kind of softening the blow. Maybe yeah. they know without a shadow of a doubt that these things are real. Maybe they have evidence. Who knows? And maybe they're going to release that evidence someday once we've all had a little uh, little exposure. Almost like this is the appetizer. Yeah, right. And the main, they're just wetting our whistles for the main course kind of deal. This here's the breadsticks. Yeah, here's this breadsticks. <laughs> tell me, tell me on CNN when they interviewed people though, they didn't get the one guy. You know, the one guy with the one eyeball that looks off to the side. He got the tinfoil hat. I seen it. I seen it all. I done seen it. Showed my dog. <laughs> didn't you, Sparky? Holds him up. The dog's wearing a foil hat too. <laughs> He's blind, but he saw it. He, he sniffed it. He's psychic. I listened to this time. <laughs> All my career advice. <laughs> I'm jobless. <laughs> but, I mean, I love that they did give this a little bit more serious CNN. You know, not that I'm picking a favorite here, but just it's, it's neat to see a, no, a network handle it more uh, professionally. And the know? story itself came from the New York Times. So, you know, yeah. that's, that's a big entity in itself. Hardly a hardly a little like youtube channel or anything you know right right well but oh man that's crazy well and, and the other thing is you know it's cool that it's main news it's cool it went viral on the internet and and you got 
2020 and and 60 minutes and things like this uh covering the story but then but then what then you know everyone goes back to work the next monday just like nothing ever happened and we get on with our lives and right i guess well you know what choice do we have but still at the same time you know i wish they would dig a little deeper i, I heard a interview with um it was it was a well-known ufo researcher and this is granted this was back in the mid 90s when the whole clinton and monica Lewinsky thing was really hot and they were talking about if people and the government and researchers invested as much time and energy into the UFO phenomena as they did the Monica Lewinsky case, yeah. we would already have definitive proof of UFO <laughs> evidence. It's so funny. You know? I, yeah. I think some people don't want to know or I don't think, want to acknowledge right. it. Right. And I hear what you're saying because one of the the interviews that I saw, they were talking about, well, it's nice to have something kind of different to talk about in the news you know rather than all the dark bleak stuff we always talk about day to day so you know so it's it's just kind of a, a side note for these guys and then it, it gets pushed aside and later on you yeah. know something else comes out and it just it's it's a cycle that they go through. oh totally our ability as humans to acclimate and adjust is almost astounding. Like, I think we talked about this before. Like, you know, even if there was a, a gigantic spaceship that blotted out the sun that was parked over New York City, within a week we'd be used to it. Yeah. would be like, oh, there it is. Yeah. There it is. It's got a bunch of aliens on it. And and, and, and it's just... Well, kind of like the TV show V, you know. Oh, that's, dude. That's what ended up, they ended up doing. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Alienation. That's, that's yeah, one of my yeah, favorites. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, I just, our ability to kind of get used to something, um, even completely weird, um, is kind of astounding to me. Like, yeah, that's what it is now. They found a fish has a dinosaur face. <laughs> All right. Well, I got a bill due. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's crazy. Wow. Aliens. Aliens and, and governments. Good recent sighting, Pat. Thanks. They are among us. It's time for pop culture. And the paranormal. It's my turn. Pop culture and the paranormal. What are we talking about? Today we're talking about one of my favorite topics. And it involves a little thing called 1.21 gigawatts. (laughs) It's time time travel. Time travel in cinema. In the film. And yeah. One of my favorite subjects. That's you know, it's funny you say that because last night my wife and I were joking around saying 1.21 gigawatts. We went down to the auto show downtown. Oh, did you? Yeah. And they had a DeLorean with the, yeah with the, the gullwing yeah, doors. With the, oh. with the what do you call them? Uh, the the gullwing. Like oh, is that what they call? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. seagull wings. Super cool yeah. wings. Oh, yeah. that's such an iconic. Did you get to sit in it? I didn't get to sit in it because oh, it was roped off in the yeah. special section. But you know, it's it's gonna need to look at though because I'm not even sure if it was a paint color. It was like brushed nickel. Yeah, well, they like don't have paint. Steel. Yeah, yeah, no, the, oh, the, so there's literally no paint on. Yeah, it. all so DeLoreans. Right. Yeah, have pain have stain, painless. Man, I can't painless. talk. Painless steel. Painless steel. <laughs> <laughs> you punch it all day, it won't hurt. Uh, but yeah, so the thing about uh, one of my favorite subjects is science fiction in general, and classic mainstay of science fiction is time travel. And I've joked before, you couldn't tell a Star Trek story without having time travel. These people just can't seem to keep away from it. But, but some of the most iconic films and stuff that, I mean, you can just say 1.21 gigawatts and people all automatically like clue in or whatever. But, but the idea of time travel, especially in film, I think translates to a lot of different folks, even if they're not, you know, quote unquote nerds, they still like that kind of stuff. So absolutely, I kind of wanted to talk about time travel in film. 
uh, starting with, and actually I'm not going to go dive into the Back of the Future, uh, with the time machine. Um, there was two versions of this film, but um, I'm thinking about the one that was in the, I, I want to say it was in the mid-late 60s. Uh, and it was based on Jules Verne, Jules Verne's novel, The Time Machine. Mm. And uh, just a cool story about a man trying to basically use his invention to fix what he perceived as a, as a thing that never should have happened. Um, I believe it was his fiancée had gotten killed. And so he was trying to find a way to go back and stop it. And he soon realized he couldn't do it. We've so, got to go back. Exactly. Back to the future. <laughs> but he, he couldn't do it. And so and this, and these, what I like about time travel stories is it, it really brings to the forefront these philosophical discussions about like destiny versus choice and, and all those things. And, and, and so like in this case, there's almost this, uh, this uh, play at destiny because he couldn't stop her from dying. <laughs> like it was just, it was inevitable basically. Right. Like no matter what he did, she kept dying. She kept and, dying. And so he was like in his grief, he's like, I can't handle it. I'm going to go forward. And he went like eons into the future only to see that like, you know, humanity had like devolved, which is starting to feel like a normal. Starting to feel like a real possibility here. <laughs> Looking yeah. at you, Tide Pods. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> but but uh, uh, humanity had ended up like devolving. And so um, where they became kind of like prey for this other version of humano- humanoid that preyed on them. And it was, it was just a neat story in the sense of like this man found purpose again. And was able to realize that, you know, for him, at least I think the concurrent theme in that story was there is kind of a a persistent destiny on some level. And you might have micro control over certain things, but some things just have to happen. So I think and if I remember the film correctly, he did end up going back to his time frame and and just living through the rest of his life. And uh, and I want to say he broke the machine at the end, if I remember. So he gets stuck in the future. Legitimate solution for. Yeah. It's like, forget this, this demon. Uh, no, uh, there was a, I mean, as far as the film goes, and I, I, I've never read the book. I probably should at this point, but um, in, in the film, there's this like, you know, dramatic thing where the, the time machine gets stolen and he has to get it back. So he doesn't, he's stranded there forever. But, but, uh, and then, in, and then in Back to the Future, uh, there's this, it's kind of an opposite philosophy in that film where uh, because of choices made, it's having direct effects to, the future slash present for the for Marty, like when Marty McFly is holding a family photograph and he's seeing family members slowly disappear. Exactly right, uh, and the idea being he has to get his parents to meet at this dance so that he can basically not stop to exist, stop existing. But in that film, if you kind of look at it too, it's very heavy on choice. Right. And in fact, the, uh, the lead character, one of the lead characters, uh, Dr. Emmett Brown was like, uh, you only get one future. So make it a good one. And, and, and it's like, you pick, you get to pick how your life, uh, plays out. Uh, and one of the things I think in the movies as they, cause there's three of them, uh, and I'm preaching to the choir here. I think a lot of people know this, but, but in those movies, the persistent theme that does come up is that while there is choice, there's also this repetition of history kind of repeating itself over and over and over again, which once again, now that we've all been alive for a while, I think we can kind of see some of that too. Like, yeah. wow, that happened before. <laughs> so, uh, that's honestly like why time travel sticks out to me so powerfully is because what one of us doesn't have a thing happen where we're like, man, if that never happened, I wouldn't be here right now. And in good and bad. Yeah. Um, 
And I don't know. I kind of wanted to put it out to you guys. What's some of your favorite? Well, <clears throat> kind of in that in that in that line there, Eddie. You know, and it's kind of funny. I think that's true for all of us that you know one slight decision or you know flip of the coin that went slightly different. Maybe oh, yeah. none of us would be here. Right. You know, I. I uh, recently, um, I lost my grandpa recently, but thankfully a few months back, I did like an interview for him to ask him some cool questions about his life. Discovered one thing about him that I never knew, which was, um, you know, he almost went into the military, but he didn't. He got denied because of a hernia. Oh, wow. And had he gone off to the war in Korea, you know, perhaps he never would have started his family. Hence, my mom wouldn't have been born. Hence, I wouldn't be here. And so it's kind of this weird cause and effect. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I've always been fascinated with with time travel as well. Back to the Future is kind of always the mainstay in terms of isn't it though? In terms of pop culture, of course. Um, there was a recent, um, and hopefully I'm not stepping on your toes here. No, I'm not no, sure no. What the other one you have in mind is, but there was a more recent movie. I think it came out in perhaps 2016. It was called Interstellar, mm-hmm. and uh, Matthew McConaughey's in it, and. Uh, you know, long story short, without giving any spoilers, it's uh, been a while. It's been a while. Okay, spoiler then. <laughs> spoiler away. Well, he he goes into outer space and basically slips into a wormhole, and he travels forward in time. Uh, and I think even beyond that, he they stop on a planet, mm-hmm. and you know, a half an hour goes by on this planet, but that me- that you know, time's going much slower for him because right. they're moving close to the speed of light. And so back here on Earth, there's decades that go by. Yeah. And so, um, anyhow, so by the time that he gets done with his adventure in space and, and goes back home, his daughter is the is like she's like eighty years old, but he gets he gets home in time to say goodbye to her, and it's it's really emotional, really heavy. But you know, you ask a lot of science uh, minded people, and uh, it, it's been proven uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt that we can technically travel forward in time. We just can't travel back in time. Yeah, you can travel forward in time essentially by going faster the 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 closer you get to the speed of light which is 186,000 miles per second the closer you get to that uh speed the tic-tac slow, speed the, the tic-tac speed <laughs> the slower time goes for you yeah while it's going normally back here for everybody on earth so in that respect and and they've done multiple tests on this they've taken um a really accurate kind of atomic clock uh type of deal and they flew it up in a space shuttle, which is going nowhere near the speed of light, but yeah. still fast enough that there's a minute difference on that clock. And we're, yep. we're probably talking about like one one hundredth of a thousandth of a second. But, right. um, but it, it still was slightly off compared to the clocks on Earth. And when they landed, they compared them and they're like, wow, yeah, that's uh, time is, relev- is yeah, uh, relative, relative, just like Einstein always said. That's crazy. I love it. I guess, I guess my my vote would be for this is a film that came out in 1980 and it's it's uh it's kind of the geek or the the techie in me coming out it's 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 a film called uh, the final countdown mm. uh, it's it's actually about it's set in World War two or just before Pearl Harbor and it starts in present day and then they go through this magnetic storm that brings them back to what is it 1940 41 I guess when mm-hmm. World War II began and Pearl Harbor was attacked. So you have modern day, a mod, modern day aircraft carrier and fleet with, you know, F-15 fighter jets, and they're going up against the Japanese fleet with prop plane zeros, oh, wow. you know. And, and so they, they have to make the decision. Do, they realize that they've gone back in time through the storm, and they have to make the decision, do we involve ourselves in this? Because 
there's no way the Japanese fleet is going to be able to compete with this American present day, you know, ship. Right. And and so they have to decide: Do we get ourselves involved in this, or do we uh, just stay out of it? Because we could change the course of time. And so the the whole movie is kind of them going back and forth about you know should we or shouldn't we? And I think ultimately, you know, spoiler alert: they decide the to get involved, and just as they're about to get involved, the storm comes back again, and so they end up recalling their planes back to the ship, and they go through the the vortex again and return back home. Oh wow! But but there are a few people who actually decide to stay back in time, and then they kind of use it's almost kind of a Biff thing. They kind of use their knowledge of historical events to nudge things along to nudge their lives and careers ahead and and but but they do it in a good way they're the good guys and and so they they kind of meet up with them at the end and and so it's it's kind of a interesting ending to it but uh there's no hell valley you know to, no to, to well and then with. back to the future biff he what he had like a sports almanac, an right? almanac. He, he was gonna make yeah. all kinds of money and, yeah and these guys did make money you know mm. because they show him show up at the docks yeah. when they're coming off the ship and they're in a limousine, you know. And well, why wouldn't I? I mean, at that point, I mean, come on. <laughs> the lady's excited to see her dog again because she stayed in the past. The dog went ahead on the ship into the future and then she met up with him again. So she's like an old lady now, but here comes Charlie the dog and she's happy to see him. That again. is so awesome. <laughs> this but is in 1980? 1980. Oh, wow. um, it was Martin Sheen was in it. Oh. Um, and... Uh, I, I couldn't tell you some of the other actors, but uh, but yeah, it was a very cool movie. When when you see there was there were some scenes where F-15s were going up against Japanese Zeros, and it just wasn't even a contest. It was kind of fun to watch. <laughs> I, once again, I, the, the thing about time travel I love is it gets these even if they're just for fun, but it gets these great conversations uh, going. Uh, actually, you didn't step on my toes at all. What's I the other movie you were going to mention? The, the one I was going to mention that really was a, a huge one for me was because uh, much like you, Andy, and I mean all of us out there have lost somebody on some level. But like my mom died when I was a teenager, and and uh, this movie is called Frequency. Oh and, yeah, it's and a good one. Uh, Dennis Quaid is a fireman, and he. He ends up later on dying, and he has a, a, a son. And then it uh, goes forward in time and shows his son as a grown man, and he's messing around with his dad's ham radio. And then it basically, I mean, the long story short is he ends up somehow, and there's a storm, you know, that somehow bridges the, the, the present and the past, and he's able to use this ham radio, the same ham radio in two different time periods, and communicate with his, with his deceased father. Um, not his ghost, but him in the early 80s or late 70s um, as to now. And uh, once again, just being able to talk to somebody who you never had a chance to have those kinds of conversations with, uh, you know, just once again opens up this great uh, fantasy in your head or also just, you know, uh, just catharsis alone. But it was kind of a neat uh, take on the time travel. Nobody was actually traveling, just their voices. And uh, very cool uh, idea and just a just just a fun great time movie. travel. Loved it. Fantastic movie. Loved it. Um, uh, and then on a silly note, <laughs> there is a uh, there's a lot of time travel is just ripe for storytelling. 
And there's a comedy out there, and um, it's uh, uh, Jack Black, who we know kind of spans the spectrum of whether it's family-friendly or it becomes a little more blue. Uh, This is probably on the more blue spectrum (laughs) of things. But he uh, had a web short called uh, Time Fixers, where him and his bandmate, because he's in a band, uh, they go back in time to set the timeline right. Uh, And it's Michael Keaton, who is their, like, they're like a handler. So he calls them on their wristwatches and is like, guys, you got to go back in time and fix the timeline again. Somebody screwed it up. <laughs> and so they have to go back and it's ridiculous, like uh, little uh, scenarios where they have to go back and do something in time to put it back the way it's supposed to go. So uh, warning, it's totally for adults only. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, it's, it's an appropriate topic for uh, the pop culture and the paranormal segment, though. I think you know, in general, uh, most people are, are fascinated with this subject simply because I think there's there's always something that we wish we could go back in time and fix, whether it's a major yeah. world event, um, you know, or or just something personal, like making a different decision in the past. Right. Um, and then on the flip side, going into the future, I think is fascinating just simply because we're all curious, you know, what will the world look like in 50 years? What will the wor- world look like in 500 years? Right. You know, and, and could you imagine? I mean, I'm just like spitballing here but can you imagine if you took somebody from the 1700s and magically transported them to modern day america with our technology they Mm -hmm. would have absolutely no clue how to exist because everything that we do involves technology that's that would be magic to them back then. oh yeah right so similarly you take us and if we could travel you know 300 years into the future similarly we would be absolutely lost we wouldn't even know where to start we wouldn't know what what their gadgets and gizmos are we wouldn't nothing would be familiar we wouldn't even have a reference point. Yeah, provided we don't do the uh, the time machine thing and devolve. <laughs> so you living you so you live in caves. That's nice. That's nice. <laughs> so if you got a favorite time machine movie, hit us up at Facebook, Paranormal Dads, and let us know. Let us know what you think. Totally. And now it's time for the main mystery. <laughs> Thanks for sticking with us through the main mystery. And uh, there was a lot of debate going on in my head as to what topic I wanted to choose for this. And the one that won is crop circles. Crop circles. Circles of crops. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, we're going to start doing jingles as a side hobby. Crop circles. Crop circles. Sorry. (laughs) Like a barbershop quartet. Well, like we said, it's uh, winter where we live, and the snow is kind of melting off a little bit. And if you own a dog, like I said... uh, you may find crap circles in the oh. backyard. <laughs> <laughs> but the, I think everyone knows what crop circles are. But basically, you have a field of wheat, a field of barley, maybe a field of corn. I'm not sure if they're carved into corn. Um, but anyway, certain um, stalks are bent over. And so seen from above, they form into certain patterns. Uh, now, the, the ones dating back hundreds of years ago were pretty simple, and like anything else, they became more complicated with time. Yeah. That's how life works. But back in 1678, there was a, the equivalent of a newspaper pamphlet with a black and white image, and it basically looked like a devil-type figure with a sickle or a blade that was carving a crop circle into a field. And wow. the, the image became known as the mowing devil image. Pretty straightforward. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't really get elaborate with their titles there. It's going to be on the cover of the next uh, Black Sabbath album. There you go. (laughs) 
but anyway, uh, you know, inside of crop circles, um, you know, people have reported a lot of strange phenomena. Uh, they're feeling nauseated, sick to their stomach. Uh, new age people and psychics and sensitives have claimed that inside the crop circles are it just feels strange uh, people feel dizzy um, the energy seems to be charged the air th seems to be you know thicker or just feels different uh, a lot of people have reported uh, using fancy equipment uh, Fan fancy equipment like <laughs> glow sticks <laughs> get it Eddie get it crop circle ray <laughs> okay, I bet you somebody has had had a rave in a crop circle before. I guarantee it. You absolutely know that there's been like a you know like a late night like guys at the crop circle and old man McGuffin's field. Let's go let's go do a <laughs> let's rave. Go do it. And if your sticks aren't glowing when you get there, they will after you after you're there for a while because there's high levels of radiation that are often reported inside of these things. You're, nice glow sticks. Those are my fingers. <laughs> 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 but Geiger counters and other uh, equipment indicate um, not only a high level of radiation, but a lot of magnetism. In fact, some of the soil samples that were taken out of crop circles uh, are highly magnetized. Yeah. Now, a lot of different conspiracies and, and theories, and although it has been proven that crop circles, simple ones anyway, can be made with human beings and some rope and some wood planks um, that does not describe the more intricate ones and uh, some people claim that it's extraterrestrial in nature yeah you know ufo hovers above a uh, farmer john's field and you know carves in uh, the fibonacci sequence or some uh, strange algorithm or geometric design and you know but you know kind of like i was thinking uh, just because uh, humans can duplicate or replicate a phenomena doesn't mean that some of the other ones aren't genuine. You know, a, a example comes to mind, you know, we all know lightning is real because we see it in the sky. Well, man can also uh, duplicate uh, or replicate, uh, you know, artificial lightning in a scientific laboratory with a Tesla coil. You're right. You know, so uh, although some of the uh, crop circles may be hoaxed by man, uh, some of them may be otherworldly, if you catch my drift. Yeah, I mean, just being able being able to replicate or fake it doesn't mean that the other thing isn't real. True. I can make fart noises with my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and that doesn't mean the kind that come out the other end aren't just aren't deadly too, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, I just brought this down a notch. I'm sorry. Yeah, you, you gotta. You, that went south real quick. <laughs> Literally, Eddie, Eddie's catering to the lowest common denominator. Today. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> Another weird phenomena that's seen inside of crop circles, oftentimes from her, uh, helicopters or airplanes. I was going to say heliplane. Is that a thing? Heliplanes? It is now. Sure. Yeah, plane, sure plane helicopter. Get in the planecopter. <laughs> Those people who be up high and look down. Um, <laughs> one thing that's often caught on video is balls of light that kind of fly in and out of uh, crop circles after they've been formed. Uh, some of these balls are the size of a soccer ball. Others are the size of a golf ball. Uh, nobody knows what they are or how they're linked to the phenomena, but it happens so often that it's leaving some people kind of scratching their head. That's something else. I mean, seeing these things in your field and then the next day seeing, you know, like you said, the Fibonacci sequence. And these these things usually aren't just gibberish. I mean, some of them are intricate designs, but some of these actually have some sort of mathematical, like, uh, like significance, right? Yeah, in fact, uh, in 1974, uh, there was a, uh, a huge uh, astronomical undertaking. Uh, Carl Sagan, a well-known um, uh, astronomer, he uh, and a bunch of his colleagues, they, they basically put together a, 
uh, a treasure trove of uh, artifacts that are important to humanity, and their their point was to put it on a spacecraft and fly it out as far as it could possibly go. And actually, just as of a year or two ago, it finally got outside of our solar system. Yeah, it broke through the uh, the last bit of our solar system. Right, and on board this thing is a a disc that contains. Uh, some classical music. It has audio recordings of, I believe it's Hello or I Love You Mm -hmm. in every single language on Earth. Um, There's a picture of a female and a male in uh, naked human form. There's even uh, genetic sequencing and and pictures of the double helix. Mm -hmm. And there's even a kind of a star map as to where our planet is located in the cosmos. So they send this out almost as like a care package broadcasting this to aliens uh, all over the universe. And anyway, my, my point is that one of these, uh, and I think it was in 2001, we heard so we heard what we what could be a response. So a crop circle, huge crop circle, uh, into the grain there. It was basically that exact same uh, stockpile of images sent back to us, but instead of the human forms, it was replaced with an alien form, and instead of our genetic sequence, it was replaced with a. Uh, a genetic sequence of unknown origin, aka extraterrestrial. That's uh, that is crazy. So it's almost like they took our information that we sent out, slightly changed it, and sent it right back to us. Well, yeah. that's the that's the theory anyway. Of course, skeptics will say that it's just a hoaxer, but because uh, well, you, you can fake you know actual DNA by stomping on a board in a field. I mean, me and Pat do that all the time. Well, and, and there's, there's, you know, the majority of crop circles are in Europe, specifically England. A lot are appearing around, uh, you know, kind of famous sites like Stonehenge. Um, but a lot of people say, you know, the believers at least will say that some of them are so intricate. You're talking hundreds of circles, circles yeah. within circles, triangles within other patterns. It's, it's almost like very intricate uh, symbols so much, you know, it makes you wonder if humans could even pull this off in a night let alone 45 minutes, which is right. uh, there was a case of uh, a pilot and uh, another passenger on board. This was in England, and they were flying over a field, and they both reported that there was n- nothing unusual happening, and that was at 5.30 in the evening. Well, come 6.15, they flew back the other direction, and just in that time, a big elaborate crop circle had formed, and it makes you wonder nobody could have pulled that off in 45 minutes. And it's not something that always happens at night either sometimes it's happened in broad daylight so it's not like you wait till it gets dark we go out we make our big circles and then we 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 leave it's happening in in the middle of the day as well in some places and even if it did happen at night you would think if it was humans with with uh you know boards and planks and rope it would be even harder to do at nighttime yeah yeah you you would lose track of where you're at in the pattern be walking around there with your glow sticks trying to see where you <laughs> there's a rave going on and i'm trying to do this <laughs> double glow sticks come the first light of dawn you you look at your finished product from a helicopter and you're like well i'll be it looks like a preschooler's art project yeah <laughs> looks like a gosh darn amoeba the <laughs> <laughs> line's got a little crooked there gary yeah <laughs> sorry all i know is that if i was out there trying to create something like this there's no way i could get, get those lines straight i mean it, it's hard enough walking a straight line let alone doing some of these intric- intricate designs that they've got oh right. it's crazy i mean try to walk a straight line and not vary at all i mean you know it's nuts i mean just look at that well try leaving an english pub at one in the morning i guarantee they're not walking a straight line <laughs> <laughs> looks like jeffy from family circus just all over the place <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know and a, a common misconception is uh, that 
you know, when these are done, that the 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 wheat and the grain and the barley that they're ruined. Uh, they're in fact not ruined. Uh, the legit crop circles, the the stalks are bent over at the base, but they're not broken, and uh, so the the product is intact, and farmers can still harvest it, which is good for them. But uh, when you really, you know, put a microscope under it and they do some scientific testing in labs, what they're discovering is it's not just a pretty picture carved into a field. You know, these stalks are changed at the cellular level. Not only are they exposed to high levels of radiation, but high levels of heat. Um, you know, and, and uh, uh, furthermore, uh, there's some other interesting tidbits. Um, a lot of small animals and insects are found dead in and near the site of crop circles, again, which leads you to think maybe there was a, a high blast of heat or a high blast of radiation that formed that image into the field. Uh, for example, there's flies that are still clinging to the stalks of wheat. Uh, you know, and if it was just a human out there with a board and, and a piece of wood that was flattening these areas, you they'd know, fly away. they'd fly away. The flies would fly away. They're, I mean, they're flies, but they're not idiots, you know. Yeah. Um, there was even a report of, uh, 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 I think it's a herd of elk. Yeah. What's a, it, is that a herd of elk? I believe it's a herd. A gaggle, sure. a flock. <laughs> a murder. A murder, a pack. a pack. Anyway, there was a hundred of them, of these elk, and, and they were all mysteriously found dead at the same place just a stone's throw away from a crop circle. And uh, when they did a little further testing, it was not due to uh, disease or illness or virus or bacteria. It was completely unknown as to why they all passed away. And some people are linking it to that crop circle. That's crazy. I mean, you have dead animals now. And it's not like guys who are faking that are going around, you know, hey, man, we got to make sure we kill these hundred yeah. elk with this hammer. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. We'll just lay them out and do our circle, and boy, that'll get a rise out of them. You got some poor guy they hired to kill the flies. Make sure you make sure make sure that fly is dead and still attached to the to the grass. Pete, <laughs> gosh darn it, darn it, Pete. Another he's, funny thing he's is smothering flies with a tiny little. He's out there with super glue gluing all the flies. <laughs> oh gosh, sorry. And did you guys know that uh, crop circles? Each individual one is named almost like they name hurricanes. Really? Yeah, there's one called one was called the Julia set in 1996 near Stonehenge. Uh, there was another one in 2012 that they called the Galaxy. Um, so apparently they get names. Now that one, the Galaxy one, was 1,500 feet. My goodness. So I mean, you're, you're talking five football fields large here, and that one consisted of 400 perfect circles. Um, and and that one even was studied by some skepticals, uh, skeptics, some skeptics that don't believe in crop circles, and even some of those people were completely scratching their heads, saying that in the amount of time that that was created, apparently it wasn't there, and then suddenly it was there, and it's huge, and it was enormous. So basically, what they said is to create something that elaborate. Um, they would have had to create a new circle every thirty seconds, and that's <laughs> yeah. not even counting Jeez. time for surveying or setting up. Yeah. So it, it's, it's just basically raw. It's physically impossible. Right. Yeah. yeah. And how big are each of these circles? Uh, they vary, but uh, some of them span 70 feet. In uh, um, 30 seconds. Yeah. 30 seconds. It's, it's impossible. You couldn't do it, even yeah. with an army of people. I'm going to name this crop circle Ernie. <laughs> <laughs> Ernie of the crop circle. Now, wasn't there a pair of guys in England that claimed that they... Cre they they were responsible for the whole crop Oi, circle Oh man, phenomenon. it's us. <laughs> you have the best English accent, man. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, good old uh, Dave and Doug from England. Dave and Doug from Dave England. Dave and Doug. I think it was in the 80s uh, that they came out 
claiming that, oh yeah, crop circles are, uh, are a hoax. We've been doing them for decades. And they even demonstrated how they did it, um, which is basically just attaching a plank of wood to a rope and using your foot to stomp down on the plank as you hold it you know, taut against your foot. And it's a pretty effective method, but slow. You're, you're going one step at a time. And so while they took credit for, you know, X amount of uh, crop circles in and around England, that doesn't account for ones that have formed in Asia, Australia, Africa, South America, uh, pretty much every continent in the world, barring uh, Antarctica. And maybe they do them in snow there. I don't know. It's all David <laughs> Doug. It's kind of like that old toy from like the 70s or 80s, the little the romper stompers where they were like little buckets you put on your feet and you had the little string and you held it up and you walk around, clomp around. Let's go out and make some crop circles with our romper stompers. Some Daves and Dugs. Dave and Doug. Oh, gosh, man. I would not give my daughter Sky one of those for anything. Her, co- her coordination is dicey at best. Now, she's <laughs> only three years old, but right before we started recording this particular uh, episode, my wife texted me and said, Sky fell down the stairs. I, I, and I replied back, What do you mean, like a couple stairs? She said, No, the whole staircase. Whole flight. <laughs> you know, end over end, just toppled down like a physical comedy. And. She's okay though. She's all right. Oh, good. good. A couple scrapes. She'll she'll pull through. A falling sky. <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> falling sky. Oh, sorry. I'm a bad dad for laughing at that. But. <laughs> but two guys couldn't be responsible for this because these things have appeared all over the world. And right. unless these guys are gold card members for United Airlines, <laughs> you know, Doug's it's still going to be pretty expensive to, for for a practical joke. I, there's that, and I mean, I remember this whole thing. And man, your lightning example is like crystalline perfect like you can't just because something can be recreated doesn't mean the original is fake right and the thing that gets me too is that when they were demonstrating how they do it they were doing simple little patterns they weren't stomping dna into the field no unless doug spit off to the side (laughs) (laughs) no and some of them are i mean some of them are faces some of them are words uh (sighs) There's, I mean, there's some are written in cursive with loops, and it's almost like handwriting out there. Yeah. I mean, you might be able to do a couple right angles and a couple circles, but beyond that, I mean, I, I'm just not sure. And funny you mentioned the airlines. The other thing to take into consideration is these original crop circles, you know, 1600s and even before, there was no high-flying air. There, there wasn't any aircraft, period, at that time. Right. So if these... These images, these crop circles can only be seen from up above. If nobody was up above looking at them, what's the point in making them? Right. There'd be no point. They're being made for someone to see right. up right. high. Kind of like the Nazca lines in Peru. Exactly. But again, those were made hundreds of years ago before aircraft, so who were the people in Peru making them for? Right, right. And the symmetry on those is insane. Yeah. With yeah. people scraping it into the ground, I mean... You'd almost need someone looking at it from the top to guide that whole thing. Right. And didn't you say that somebody, one of those Nazca lines in Peru, those things are ancient. Didn't mm-hmm. somebody recently uh, mess one up a little bit? I forget, or something? I forget the exact company who did it, and I don't want to like you know blame someone out of hand, but there was a, I think, no, I remember now, it was a documentary. Oh. There was a documentary being made about maybe the Nazca lines in specific or just they were in that area and one of the people in a vehicle uh, ran over one of them and caused a little bit of a kerfuffle with the uh, <laughs> with the government there that was protecting that over. So The little... first camera film crew went blazing across in their John Deere tractor and messed up the... It was, it was Caleb lines. the intern <laughs> yeah, on his exactly. first day. <laughs> hey, guys! Fresh out of college. <laughs> Oopsie-daisy, messed up a thousand-year-old, uh, you know... 
oh. petroglyph in the desert floor. He was I mean, going for lunch. It's like those. It's like those, those comedic bits when you see like the priceless artifact and it gets dropped on the ground and just turns into powder and you're like, eh, good job, Caleb. <laughs> you're fired. You know the thing about crop circles. I swear, if I if I could, maybe this should have been in the holiday gift guide section an mm. episode or two ago, but. You know, there's got to be a, some coffee table uh, crop circle books out there just filled with beautiful pictures and images. Oh, it's just so cool to look at some of the pictures of these. And maybe we can include a link to a website in the show notes there. But uh, you could just stare at these things for hours and it just leaves you with your mouth hanging open and scratching your head wondering how in the world could a human make that? Right. And if a human didn't make that, who did? Yeah. Holy crop. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose this brings us full circle to the end of the episode. Sorry, I just had to. Sorry, that was a cheesy joke. That Swiss was good. cheese full of holes. That was, oh, circles. well done. But we do want to thank everybody for listening to Paranormal Dads. We appreciate everybody who has chimed in on the Facebook page and on Twitter. Um, like I said, you can find us on Facebook at Paranormal Dads or uh, on Twitter at Paranormal Dads. Um, if you uh, feel so inclined when you uh, subscribe to our podcast, be sure to leave us a review. Uh, give us any uh, any suggestions for show content. We appreciate that. Reviews always help. Or if you know somebody who has an interesting story to share, uh, this year in 2018, we're going to start having some guests on the show who have seen some pretty odd, uh, uh, you know, odd situations and odd phenomena, and we're going to have them on to share their story, whether it's seeing a ghost or an unknown creature or a weird light in the sky. And uh, also a special shout out to Tony Ferguson for the image, uh, our logo overhaul and refresh. So uh, check that out too on our Facebook page and Twitter as well. And it should be the logo that you see when you subscribe, when you subscribe to our podcast through either Stitcher or the uh, podcast app on iTunes. And thanks to the guys at freesound.org uh, for providing us with a lot of the sound effects and music for today. And as always, uh, you know, get a hold of us. And, and more than anything, just thanks for listening because uh, uh, we wouldn't be doing this show if we didn't have a, a loyal following. And uh, we, we very much enjoy creating these for you. Everybody, have a good day. That's a wrap. See ya. Okay, we are rolling. Here we go with the main mystery. Sorry. Sorry, oh, sorry. Yeah, ah! <laughs> you just see blood running down my ear. We're all we're fine. Talk like that back here. You're kids. fine. Why are we so hot here all of a sudden? Man, we are good looking dudes. We are. We're so hot. We're so hot. Too hot.